Hello, welcome to Creative Catch-Up, a podcast where myself, Natasha Newton, artist and illustrator, and me, Mel Chadwick, illustrator and designer, will be chatting about running a creative business. Each episode, we'll be diving into a different topic that has come up in our own creative practice. We'll be sharing our experiences, both the ups and downs, struggles and successes, and hopefully give some advice that you'll also find useful. So join us for episode 10 as we take time to answer all of your questions. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Mel. Good to speak to you again. And this one is our final episode. I know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Yes. I can't believe we've done 10 of these already. I know. Where's the time gone? It's about three months, is it? Yeah, I think it must be. Yeah. I think we started in May, didn't we? And we're now in August. Yeah, it's been really good, actually, hasn't it? To just talk about the things that have been going on in our businesses. And and what I've loved is reading and hearing the feedback and comments from everyone who's been listening in. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear what they have to say. And so many lovely reviews as well, which encourages us and spurs us on with this (laughs) yeah so shout out to everyone who has commented shared written reviews on apple podcasts it has been really encouraging to hear your thoughts and your feedback and we do try to get back to you as much as we possibly can so we go through little phases where we'll have a question answering session and (laughs) and so we it might take us a little bit of time sometimes but we do try to get back to everyone eventually yeah, and I I just want to also encourage th- those of you who are listening who do have some topics that maybe you want us to delve a bit more into or talk about or bring up, please just comment um, either on Instagram or on our YouTube channel. Just write a comment, say, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this or could you explore this a bit more? Because that will really help us um, to prepare for our next season of recording and to have topics that are really relevant to you. Okay, Natasha, today we are going to be going through everyone's questions that have been sent in so far. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) I think I'm ready. (laughs) So we have received uh, quite a number of questions and we hope to tackle most of them. Whether we tackle them in a lot of depth is another thing, but we, I think with each question that has been asked, we will point to maybe an episode. We have spoken about this in a bit more detail. Yeah. So we will say that. So that will hopefully help answer the question as well. Um, but hopefully we will answer every question and whether it's a two minute answer or a bit longer then so be it. Okay, so let's start with the first question. Okay, so first question from Caroline Howitt. I would love to know more about how you both navigated moving into illustration from fine art. I suppose it's touching on imposter stuff, which you may have touched on already. Right, so how I got into illustration from fine art. Yeah, because I actually started as a fine art painter who exhibited in galleries and sold my works um, 
in local exhibitions as well and um, commissions and so on. And I never even really thought about going into the world of illustration. It was actually because people approached me and asked me. I didn't actually intend to become an illustrator. I was happy just being a fine art painter. But I noticed that the more I showed my work online... I would then receive messages from art directors and businesses wanting to know whether they could use my work. That's really how I got into it. And at the beginning, I did feel really uncertain of myself in that world. So I think it's quite normal to feel this imposter syndrome thing. Yeah, gradually, um, I noticed that illustration was becoming a larger and larger part of what I did. So that's why I call myself an illustrator as well as an artist now. So, yeah. Touched on this, I think, in episode one. We both touched on it, didn't we, in episode one about moving in our fields. And I had my degree in fine art. So when I went to Hong Kong, I got switched on to illustration. We were there for a couple of years. And then it was when we were in Aberdeen that I started to really try to understand what illustration was. I started to work on my skills set. I bought a computer with sales actually from paintings that I sold in galleries in Aberdeen. And I was able to buy a computer, an Apple computer, and started teaching myself how to use Illustrator and Photoshop. Just slowly built up portfolio pieces. A big change I think happens when I took a course like a Leela Rogers course which was make art that sells and that really kind of switched me on to I guess the commercial side of illustration but yeah it's very easy to feel like you're an imposter at first because obviously it's not something you're familiar with and you can feel like everyone knows everything about it apart from you so yeah it does feel a bit like that at the beginning but gradually you find your way and people are always there for you to ask and uh, we spoke about is it the AOI wasn't it the Association of Illustrators is that right in one of our episodes oh yeah that was episode four yes so they have lots of info you're saying didn't you um regarding pricing and contracts and all of that kind of stuff but yeah I think you just have to accept that you're probably gonna feel like an imposter at the beginning and pretty much everyone does now another question we have which is a little bit similar to this which is from sal.air I think I'm pronouncing that all right. She says, loving your podcast. Thank you, Sal. My question would be, how did you get started as an artist illustrator? Did you have help from anyone? How did you get your foot in the door and establish yourselves? So I think we've covered some of that. Um, I remember actually approaching a company that I wanted, thought would be a good fit and I wanted to do some work for them. I remember emailing them actually and saying... I am an illustrator. And, you know, when I was writing those words, I think that was the first time I'd actually said, I am an illustrator. (laughs) But um, you have to start somewhere. And I wrote, oh, here's what I've done. I really like doing lettering. And would you want to work with me? And I think that's how I started it, is just asking or putting myself in front of people and kind of just seeing if they were interested surprisingly they actually said yes (laughs) and I was very surprised because I was like really okay cool 
and then that oh that's so nice that you had a positive response (laughs) yeah I think it's funny isn't it because I have had a lot of rejections but I wondered if that first email whether if I'd had a no would I have kept going yeah this is what I was wondering just now I was thinking it was good that you had that positive response and then you you know felt encouraged to carry on yeah definitely Uh, it would have been difficult wouldn't it if it had been a rejection but I'm sure you would have continued anyway I don't think you would have given up because of that I think that is how how you do get work isn't it in is to approach people especially if you don't have an agent you have to put yourself out in front of people and I would I would say find the market that you want to work in so if it is say magazine editorials go and find some magazines that you really think would be a good fit for your work look up the creative editor or the director and start emailing or contacting them in the way that you can contact them. And I don't think, I mean, I know some people must have contacts and perhaps they come from an artistic family and they kind of get their foot in the door that way. But I certainly didn't come from an artistic family. So when I started out, I really had very little idea about how to make this dream a reality And so I did it all myself, really. I didn't have like this kind of support network or um, (laughs) a family who were in that kind of world. So I think if you really want to do something enough, you will find a way. And I think now it's obviously it's a lot easier because we have the Internet. So when I was really at the very beginning of my career and I actually had um, other jobs on the side, the Internet was really in its infancy. And <laughs> and I just, you know, it didn't take me long before I kind of thought there could be something to this. You know, I could use this to my advantage. And thank goodness it came along because before that it was really difficult to you know you had to approach galleries in person really you know or call them on the phone or (laughs) and if you wanted to get involved in local exhibitions you had to actually find out about them through I don't know posters or leaflets or something like that you know completely different world and I think a lack of contacts or even support is not it might make it a little bit more difficult but I think you learn a lot along the way and and it's good there are benefits to learning how to do all of this yourself it stands you in good stead for the future it just helps you doesn't it you get more of that confidence as well from from working through problems and seeing them through to the end so there is quite a bit of perseverance that you have to do there is and that's a good lesson because if it doesn't come easily you know you really have to work for it you do appreciate it when you finally you know start making a success of it yeah so that leads into another question from laurie king he says you two are very confident and provide a very natural way to share your art thoughts and motivations which is something so much more than hiding behind your working galleries so how did you begin this journey to be able to share your audience in this way or share to your audience in this way well it took quite a lot for me to to do this because i'm naturally quite shy and reserved and I learned quite quickly that to have success with your art career, you're probably going to have to be quite a good self-promoter. 
shall we say. So you can't hide too much behind your work. I know some artists do, but I think certainly now you have to have some kind of online presence. And I mean, I started with videos, I would say on Instagram stories. So just a few seconds occasionally of me talking to the camera Very occasionally the camera was pointed at me and sometimes it was pointed at my painting or whatever and I would just talk to my followers and then I moved on to my YouTube channel. And I think gradually as you do these things, if you do it in small steps, you actually you gain a little bit of confidence each time and whereas at the beginning it feels really unnatural (laughs) and really cringy and it's just awful and you'll probably do a million and one (laughs) takes just to say a sentence you actually you become more used to it and it becomes more natural and and so yeah I went from Instagram stories to sharing on YouTube and now to this podcast but it isn't always easy and actually I still find it quite difficult and I know that people think that we're confident well Mel you might be confident (laughs) but I I know I know myself and I know that I'm not confident so if people think I am that's really good but it actually isn't the truth oh (laughs) I don't know I think there is a confidence a quiet confidence in you to keep persevering to keep going maybe (laughs) maybe I'm just stubborn (laughs) but yeah I think you you do of course you do grow in confidence yeah but yeah just just know that it's again it's one of those things where you have to push yourself and everyone's going to feel weird doing it at the beginning exactly and it's a practice isn't it you have to practice communicating and communicating with your audience in a way in which they can relate to you yeah, and finding your voice as well. And I remember that as well with, with YouTube. I remember often just trying to get comfortable with a camera, just talking to the camera without it sometimes being switched on. I'll just try and talk to the camera and just try and not really see that it's a camera. Yeah, that's good advice. I guess you just got to find the way that you can do it. And like you said, Natasha, everyone is going to feel a bit weird or a bit awkward or a bit nauseous even. Because it is weird. It's not like having you're you're having to speak as if there's someone there (laughs) with you. Except there isn't. You're standing there in a room on your own talking to yourself. And I, yeah, and I'll tell you where that will really push you is when you do vlogging outside with other people around you. Oh, I can't do that. Do you know, I honestly can't. I've tried. That's your next next step, Natasha, the next one. Do they still look at you when you do it, though? I don't even know. I don't care. Oh, this is brilliant. (laughs) Oh, well well done, you. (laughs) I think it's just as you get kind of, like, older as well, you're just like, well, you know, (laughs) they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that it doesn't bother you. Yeah. I I think also doing the sketch walks as well and sketching outside, that probably has also increased that confidence because I think at the beginning I was like thinking everyone's watching me. Everyone's going to be thinking, what is she doing? But you you soon realise that everyone is doing their own thing. They might look up and glance at you, but that's not because maybe they're what are you doing? It's more because they just notice you're there. So I think you almost have to just kind of just let it go. Oh, let's have a question from Ellie Duncan 21 says, oh, yay. My question would be when things are not flowing as you'd like creatively, 
How do you deal with this? I try and do something different. (laughs) I think this is, yeah, that's generally what I do. I would stop what I'm doing because you have days where it's just not working. And, you know, the other day I had one of these days, funnily enough, because I did a bit of work while I was in Suffolk and I actually worked on three small paintings. All of them went wrong. And and normally it's something, this is a subject that I paint a lot and I can do them really quickly and easily. But for some reason that day, every single painting went wrong. And you do have days like that. And it's weird because I don't really know what's different about that day to another day. Um, but I think the thing to do when that happens is just go take yourself out for a walk or go and watch a TV show, read a book, do anything, or even do some research if you're, you know, wanting to kind of get some more inspiration or something like that. But definitely just stop what you're doing. Go and do something else. And when you go back to it, it's often whatever it was has resolved and and things flow again. And also not to give up on it as well. Yeah. Um, completely. Because sometimes that will then stall it even more because you start doubting yourself and then it's easy at that point then to just throw it in the bin or to yeah stop stop completely. Interestingly, what did you do with your three paintings? <laughs> well, they, they, I threw them in the bin. <laughs> oh, Natasha. No, because no, they really had gone. No, I don't do this with every piece of work that goes yeah. wrong. I sometimes will set it aside and yeah. and work if I'm just a bit stuck on on some part of it I'll set it aside but no these had seriously got they yeah they'd gone wrong I can I'm at the stage now where I can really tell whether something is worth saving or not and these weren't okay and they were only okay. quick yeah. pieces anyway so it wasn't yeah. a big deal yeah. yeah yeah and you're not going to just give up your entire career because of three little paintings that didn't go no right no if I gave up my career every time something went wrong I'd I'd be doing it most weeks yeah Yeah. (laughs) very similar then what you said you know I would do is just step aside go and do something else and sometimes that other thing doesn't need to be very long it can just be Mm. maybe a quick kind of pop the kettle on yeah yeah. Get myself a cup of tea, do a little bit of a wander around and then sit back down and then I'm ready. I, I can go again. It's funny because it sort of just resets your brain, doesn't it? It does. It's very strange, but it's a good thing to do because you give yourself that break, the break from whatever you're looking at. You're giving yourself a bit of distance. OK, so the next question is from Esther Benink. I think that's how you say that. She says, amazing. I have a question for you two. I struggle with bigger projects. A set of three or five cards is no problem. But as soon as I try to do a bigger project, like illustrating a book or a story, I seem to switch to planning, lose my fun in it and have huge fears of never ending this project or something. Is <laughs> I'm laughing because I can relate to this. Is this something you or one of you can relate to? How do you deal with big projects? Thank you for the amazing podcast. Well, thank you for listening, Esther. We really appreciate it. Um, right, Mel, do you want to answer this one first? <laughs> well, I know I'm I'm in the middle of that at the moment. I'm working on a book and doing some illustrations for it. And yes, I have reached the point. Well, I have reached the point where 
I'm now finally getting into it, but it's taken such a long time to just kind of get to the point where I'm enjoying doing the illustrations. Um, even though I had a passion for it at the beginning and I was like, yes, this, this is great. But it has felt quite hard to get over that and, and really understand what it is that I want to do in the work and the style that I want to have in the book and it did take quite some time just to push through it especially as this this project there's going to be around 52 illustrations wow that is quite big isn't it it is quite a big project to be honest I kept persevering with it I I would give myself time to also enjoy parts of it. So rather than try and just do it chronologically, one part of the book that I wanted to illustrate and I would sometimes just jump to that part and just say, right, I'm going to do that because I think I'll get enjoyment from doing that. And so then that really helped because then, because I found that joy and creativity in doing that, then it helped me then go back to other chapters that were maybe a little bit more difficult but because I had done one or two spreads that I was really happy with, that then kind of pushed me then to keep going with the others. And it'll probably keep me going now as well. I'm about halfway through. So giving yourself the deadline, that has really helped. Yeah. Because I'm thinking if I don't have a deadline, I will keep pushing it back and keep pushing it off my plate saying, oh, no, I don't need to do it yet. But actually having the deadline and structure in, that will help push the project forward and I think we talked a little bit about that in episode two when we were doing dealing with procrastination oh yes we did didn't we yeah so how, how about you Natasha yeah I have this problem if I'm completely honest with bigger projects I often like to <laughs> this is why I think I enjoy working on smaller things because then you never hit that stage you know you just it's like you're constantly changing from one thing to another so if I'm working on smaller paintings I'm not there's no time to get bored with it and I also find even though I think I'm in some ways quite good at planning or organizing I don't particularly like it very much so it's something I would, I would probably find a bit boring. <laughs> so I just want to launch myself into the work. Yeah. And I don't want to think about all of the order in which I need to do things. And I guess I'm quite like an intuitive painter. So I just go with the flow. Whatever I feel inspired to paint that day, that's what I want to do. Um, so, so, and then, and then I find that those pieces are completed really quickly and really easily. And I've had a lot of fun doing them. Whereas if it's a bigger project where I have to actually, you know, work to a schedule and plan things, I mean, I can do it, but I do find it quite daunting. I, I think for me as well, going back to that book, book project, so I'm working with, you know, the, the author of it and, I, it felt really hard to actually start the illustrating until all of the copy had kind of been done and there was a structure and an order to it. So even though she had asked me to start illustrating, I felt I couldn't really start illustrating until the copy was down and the words were were basically the words that would be there. Yeah, I can understand that. I would feel weird about starting something before all of that was in place. Yeah. yeah. 
But I guess if, say, Esther is is writing the book and illustrating it, then I would say that she would have to make sure she's got the story and that structure side and the writing side of it done before she starts illustrating it or or working yeah. through it. I, I just think that you need to probably get the the words and the copy down. And then you can work out how it will fit then on your book pages. And that might be handy as well is is having like, you know, little boxes for the layouts. And and again, it, it depends if you enjoy that or not. I guess that's the mm. thing that, that will take the time to plan. But if you can take that time to plan, I think when you come to illustrating, it will flow a lot better. Yeah. Because you won't have to keep stopping and starting to kind of edit your copy or edit the text or shift words around that or aren't in the right place so maybe yeah break it into stages but give yourself deadlines for each of those stages yeah i and i also for larger projects um find that like a little to-do list with all of the different stages that i can tick off yes as i go along That's yeah so that kind of motivates me to see things visually getting done yeah and that will that will enable me to kind of hold my interest in the project. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I'm like Esther. I worry that I will never get to the end of the project. You know, I'll kind of lose enthusiasm halfway through. That's why you need to find something that you're really passionate about. Like when I'm working on a large collection of work, if I'm working on something I really want to, then I don't tend to encounter that problem. Yeah, I was going to say, like, with your big painting, your big tree painting, you kept going. I know you said you there was a part where you maybe struggled a little bit, but... Yeah, there always is, I think, with a larger piece of work, because it takes so many days or weeks to complete, you're standing there looking at it a lot. And so there is, you know, of course you're going to get a little bit, there are going to be times where you're a little bit bored, yeah. And it's funny because I think people <laughs> might think that, you know, when you're painting, it's like you're loving every second of it. You know, it's exciting. And but it isn't. <laughs> it's no. like always it's like I love it and I am completely passionate about painting and it brings me so much joy and I'm really enthusiastic about it. But there are paintings where some of them are a bit more of a struggle than others. And yeah, there are parts of it that are a bit boring yeah you know and you just think oh I really want to get on to the next stage (laughs) but yeah you just just keep going and you work through that (laughs) exactly that it's also short accounts as well with yourself and like you say breaking all those bits off and then you can tick off them when you've done them yeah I think that's the secret to it yeah chocolate Claire great name (laughs) do you make other art apart from what you post on social media if so do you only post the work that matches your recognized style I'm struggling at the moment as I feel like I found my style but get bored with sticking to it all the time I like to experiment this is a very interesting question this is a little bit like you know doing your big project maybe Instagram is the big project (laughs) (laughs) yeah So we'll look at the first part of that question. Do you make other art apart from what you post on social media? Oh, yeah. And also, I don't show all of my work. So my commercial work, if you notice on my Instagram, at the moment, it's very different to what is on my actual portfolio website. I think it's because I'm doing this 
2020 postcard project and I'm I'm posting basically my uh, daily postcard so that is taking up you know that social media yeah. connection time yeah there is work that I I have created and I am creating which doesn't get shown on social media it might be at some point but yeah at the moment my postcard is the main item like so the style for that is very similar and definitely in the first few months I was getting a little bit bored (laughs) of feeling like oh everyone's gonna get bored of seeing these because they look very similar and maybe some people are but for me it was more about disciplining myself to show up every day and do this so it's not just the final postcard that is the important thing it's the process and what are you training yourself to do and I, and actually I can see there's improvement as well in the postcards and the way that I am painting the buildings that's brilliant I feel like looking looking back like a postcard from January the 2nd and then looking at one the last few days I, I already see there's a confidence in the line Oh, is, really? Yeah, oh, that's that is, interesting. Yeah, de- definitely more confident in line than than I was earlier in the year. So, yeah, it's a real process, this, isn't it? Yeah. It's looking at the bigger picture, pardon the pun. How about you? I would say that most of the art at the moment that I am producing appears on social media. Some of the ones that don't appear on social media are the pieces that have gone wrong. And I guess that's just because I tend to keep my Instagram for the finished artworks. I mean, I share much more of the process on my YouTube channel. Actually, I did work on a painting on my YouTube um, a few months ago that went wrong. Oh, yes. So um, I never finished it. And people were saying, you know... (laughs) actually had people commenting what happened to that painting I really liked that and wanted to see that finished and I was like oh dear you know it's gone wrong and I kind of felt weird about having part of its creation out there when I hadn't actually finished it yeah but you know you have that it's just real life isn't it and yeah so I would say that I do share most things interestingly something I have done this week which I haven't told you about oh. yet Mel <laughs> I have joined um, do you know Emma Carlyle oh yeah yeah I've joined her sketchbook club oh cool so she does she has a patreon where she she does different levels but I, I've joined the kind of mid-tier level where she will give you prompts and because you know I bought this sketchbook months ago yes inspired by you yeah and and I keep promising myself that I'm going to work in it and I've done a little bit of work in it but I haven't really disciplined myself (laughs) to to be doing it regularly and then I thought well this looks really interesting you know she's she's using materials that I wouldn't ordinarily use because as you know I I would normally use acrylic on canvas or wood and when I'm working on paper I either use gouache or watercolor I don't really use anything else and she's using all sorts of interesting things like pastels and pencils and mixed media and and I thought you know what I'm going to just um join and do this for a few months and see whether it pushes me out of my comfort zone I've ordered some new art materials Yes, I think I noticed you had like a neo colour. Yes, I have. (laughs) 
I'm going to do um, like a, an art haul video very soon because I've ordered lots of interesting new materials that I would never ordinarily use. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've bought them in, in the colours that really inspire me and I thought I'm just going to go for it. Brilliant. And um, some of this work will find its way onto social media, but I'm pretty certain that some of it won't. So because um, when I joined up, there was a video from Emma and she said, this sketchbook, what you do in your sketchbook is just for you. You don't have to share it on social media, just you know, experiment and don't feel like it's something that has to be shared with anyone. And so, yeah, I may be sharing some of it and some of it I won't. But I think that would be great. That would be really interesting, actually, for you and for your practice. And yeah, because I don't want to completely change my style. I'm happy with my style and it's very recognisably me. But I don't also want to be one of these artists who just rests on their laurels and doesn't ever go out of their comfort zone or experiment because I think oh you know that this is what I use to paint you know I, I I know who I am and what I'm doing I always want to be learning so I'm hoping well I will be sharing some of this yeah because I think it will be interesting for people to see even if you're sharing it in your stories but yes at the moment most of what I do I post on social media but the ones that go wrong I don't maybe I should <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe you should. Maybe you see that kind of progress or like, like that's what I like seeing actually is the behind the scenes or the work in progress or things that maybe artists are struggling with or the tools that they use. So maybe that is something that Chocolate Claire, you might want to put more of in your feed is maybe just more halfway through points. It is fascinating for people to see something that you think has gone wrong I think it, yeah it's, it's more realistic isn't it than just always these perfect finished pieces yeah and, and seeing a bit more how you created it that would be quite interesting actually and she says um I'm struggling at the moment as I feel like I found my style but get bored with sticking to it all the time I like to experiment I think there's this thing and I don't know whether this has always been a thing with artists, but I've noticed that especially on social media, people like to have you in a category. So it's like if you have a very recognisable style um, or a very recognisable colour palette, it seems because it makes the whole feed look very cohesive and very attractive, those accounts do tend to attract a lot of followers. And I, th I feel like people who experiment a lot and perhaps don't have so much of their own style, social media-wise, it's probably... It doesn't seem as popular with other people, but I think as an artist, it's really important to experiment. Even that, yeah, with, with trying different mediums as well. Or, you know, I've seen people who will be, you know, illustrating with paper and you know, pens or whatever, and then they'll then take up a ceramics class yeah. or, you know, start doing screen printing. And I find that's just fascinating and it makes for a varied kind of practice because yeah, I do if too. you're an artist, you're an artist. You, you, you're you someone who enjoys playing and experimenting and whether that is through one medium or another, yeah. you know, I think it's actually a better reflection of the artists themselves that they are 
have got these different interests. Oh, yes, because she says here, do you only post work that matches your recognised style? You see, yes, this is the thing. I do feel a bit strange about um, deviating from that because I think people follow me because they like a certain style. And so, yes, that can be a little bit worrying. But I do think that artists often experiment i mean if you look at artists from years ago they didn't i mean we're talking about the famous artists you know the people who didn't have social media 100 years ago they went through phases in their work didn't they yeah definitely and different periods and they didn't just stick to the same thing all the time no they didn't and i think as an artist it would be strange to maybe stick to the same thing all the time doing the same work the whole time I know that I would get really bored with that, which is, you know, part of the reason I want to really expand into... I just want to see the different possibilities. Yeah, and that's what I get, yeah, do with my sketchbook and, like you, you know, I, I earlier in the year, you see it on my feed, you'll see there are splashes of colour that yeah. have come out, you know, and I love doing those because they're different to just the black and white. I definitely want to do more of the colour ones when... I just have a little bit more time, but I've got to persevere with the postcards for now. Yeah, yeah, you you need to do that. But yeah, I love your colourful work as well. Yeah. So I say, Claire, just, do you know what? Experiment to your heart's content, do what you want and post it and inspire other people. Yep, that's good advice. Let's just see if we can answer these a bit quickly. So... How much does the National Parks Pass cost, asks Mike Davis, 52643. We think that he might mean the National Trust membership. Yes, I, I think so. Have you got it? I've got it. I have got it, yeah. we Dominic and I both signed up a few years ago, so we've been members for a few years now. And I believe it costs us £120 as a couple per year. And you can get into all of the different houses and gardens totally for free. In Cornwall, there's lots of them. So a lot of them have parking and parking is always good if it's free. So, you know, for £60 a year per person, that seems pretty good to me because we've had so many good days out at National Trust Properties. I'm assuming that's what you mean, Mike, because I don't know about national parks. (laughs) Anne-Marie Reichstadt asks... Do you have any favourite art illustration books? Ooh, I have a lot of art illustration books. Oh, can you think of any off the top of your head, Matt? I really love Danny Gregory's book, Art Before Breakfast. Really fun book, quite a small book, nice bright yellow cover. But it's it's really fun because it kind of gets you warmed up, especially if you're looking to start sketchbooking or doing sketching. Actually, it's a great book to get you started and kind of just drawing your everyday items, getting you to try different things, different mediums, different ways of looking and just starting with what's around you. And I really like it. There's no kind of obstacles or barriers and you could just start with the medium that is you've got. I just love that book. If I'm stuck for a little bit of inspiration, I might just delve in there and go, oh, yeah, I'll try that. A business book, though, which I would recommend for illustration, if you're doing illustration, that is Illustrator's Guide to Law and Business Practice by Simon Stern. That book really did help me in the early days of working out contracts and licensing and understanding 
the business side of illustration. And that is actually available as well through the AOI. So I think it's published by Association of Illustrators, but it's a really good book, especially if you need practical business advice. How to be an illustrator. That's another good one, isn't it? Is that Daryl? Is it Daryl Reese? Yeah, Daryl Reese. How to be an illustrator. Yeah, that's full of tips and advice when you're just starting out. Kind of a little bit similar to the one that you just mentioned, I think. I mean, I have a lot of art books of various artists that I love that I will regularly flick through for inspiration. As for instructional books, I don't think I have really many of those. Well, that's all right. Those are okay. We've got we've got a few there. How about this question from Hyde Horch? Any advice on planning tasks and scheduling analog analog work versus digital, editing, posting, etc. Yeah, this is difficult because I find that the digital world takes up so much of your time. If you let it. Yeah, the um, scheduling of digital content, I guess she means. Is that what she means? Editing, posting, etc. I feel like I need help with this one myself because um, I find that Instagram can take up so much time. In fact, I'll have days just lately where I just barely go on it because I know that if I do, I get sucked into it. Editing videos, for example, is something that does take quite a lot of time and you have to be careful that your time as an artist these days isn't taken up with all of this other stuff rather than actually physically creating artwork. And also not, I guess, creating just for the sake of posting it. I mean, I feel like I need to be better at scheduling because I'm a little bit haphazard. I know some people are absolutely brilliant at, um, they have a certain day that they put up their YouTube videos, they schedule their Instagram posts, maybe they'll do it like three times a week, every single week. Whereas I am much more, oh, I feel inspired to do this today (laughs) and I'll just go with that. (laughs) So I I don't think I'm the person to ask about scheduling. I feel like I could do with some help there myself. I think for me, because I've got this daily project, I know I've got to post the postcard every day. And I think the thing that has helped me with that is that I know that it's basically the picture that I take on location is the picture that I will put on Instagram. So I don't edit or overly edit it. You know, I'll just use the filters that are on Instagram. I won't mess around with it. And so that means that I am not spending hours trying to crop it to the right place or you know I'm just putting the postcard in front of the thing that I've drawn taking the picture and then I can upload it when I get back home yeah I think I'm just trying to remember what I was before I was doing this project I would probably like try to have variety try to schedule some things but yeah sometimes it doesn't work that way does it No, other things can get in the way as well I think we have been quite good with our podcast though because that's been going out every Wednesday yeah we've had to be strict with ourselves with this haven't we (laughs) it's been it's been very good for us actually and I think because we're working on it together we are having to be mindful of the time that each of us put into it so yeah it has been helpful to record these in advance and then that gives time to edit and then also having the set day to upload has really helped because I know I've got a deadline to meet 
and I will work better if I have a deadline. So I wonder whether that is our advice to hide. It's just to work to a schedule, set yourself a deadline and perhaps have regular either times of the day where you're on social media, hosting or whether you're you know, editing your video, have a set day for getting that video up. This is something that I would like to be better at, actually. Yeah, it's just I find that other things in life get in the way and it's very difficult to juggle it all and you just have to to do it as and when you can. But yeah, I think self-imposed deadlines are probably a good thing. Okay, male Lork asks, were there any things that were sort of surprises that you had to think of when you started? Oh, that's an interesting question. (laughs) I definitely think that um, contracts, I didn't really understand those when I was starting to do illustration and it was only when I got burnt by a few clients that I was like, right, I need to get my contract sorted. So that was maybe a a surprise because I hadn't really thought of that side of things. I think one thing that has surprised me is the number of inquiries you have and also even, you know, when projects perhaps start or you've had a few emails or whatever and then nothing comes of it. And I heard from somebody that, and this was a while ago now, and they were saying that roughly 50% of all the potential projects don't go ahead, that, you know, people will inquire and it will seem like it's going to happen and they don't. And I had found this myself and I was wondering whether I was just really unlucky or something. And so when I heard that this happens to other people, I would say that was quite a surprising thing to me because I would have assumed before that if someone is contacting you and you've had a few emails back and forth, that the project was almost certainly going to go ahead. So yeah, the the number of projects that don't really amount to anything or, you know, get stopped partway through or, you know, you just never hear back from the person. Um, I guess this is also the importance of contracts as well. So, that yeah, that came as a bit of a surprise to me. Jess, a little creative ass, help with overcoming imposter syndrome. It stops me creating work before I've even started. So I guess she's asking for help with overcoming the imposter syndrome. And I think we touched on that in a earlier question quick bit of advice for Jess yeah I think knowing that most people feel this way the people you're looking at who you think are really confident and have it all together and are really sorted pretty much all of them are dealing with some aspect of imposter syndrome so I think knowing that you can just say yep this is something we all go through put it to one side carry on certainly don't let it stop you from making work because that is a real shame and that's what it wants you to do it wants you to stop you doesn't it It wants to say ah you can't do it that's that horrible little devil on your shoulder isn't it (laughs) they don't want you to achieve anything and yeah okay renak says hi can i sell my art at this difficult time Mm. so i'm guessing difficult as in the economic climate maybe i think it it can well it is a difficult time because apparently we've gone into recession again, haven't we? But I think there's always a market. I think maybe sometimes at times like this, if you notice that something isn't selling as well as it did before. So, for example, I mean, you could find that maybe your more expensive pieces aren't selling. So then diversify. 
and think, well, I'm going to create some affordable works or I'm going to make some prints of my work or some greetings cards or postcards or whatever. People will always want art in their lives. So even if things are really difficult, they usually have some money you know even if it's just to buy gifts for other people so it could just be that you have a few inexpensive pieces but you're selling more of those so you yeah I would say diversify so yeah and listen to episode six. Oh yeah diversifying our income yeah, yeah we talked about diversifying our income streams and actually that fits with Laura Harrison art who says how do you know when it's right to make a calculated financial risk as an artist and she says also thank you for making such a good podcast Aww. thank you Laura <laughs> that's nice yeah so I think we do touch a little bit on that in the diversify income streams as well in episode six. How do you know when it's right to make a calculated financial risk as an artist? I think sometimes you need to go with your intuition. So if your gut is telling you that this is the right thing to do, then it usually is. I think don't put yourself into huge amounts of debt. I think that generally, though, if you have a bit of common sense, you have a good idea as to whether there's a market for whatever it is you're wanting to sell or launch. Yeah, hopefully you've tested that market a little bit. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? I think that I think if you're a sensible person, you know when you're taking a silly risk as opposed to one that's a little bit safer, <laughs> if that makes sense. And sometimes these things take time, don't they, as well? They do take time to build. You can't, sometimes, even if you do have to spend or take that risk, you may not see the positive outcome for maybe quite a few months or even a year down the line. So it's it's almost like whether you want to invest in yourself. So, yeah, I think if you like investing in yourself, like giving yourself training or enrolling on a course then you may not see the benefit of that and until a few, quite a bit further down the line but because you are investing yourself in that way I think it will reap the rewards it will just take a bit longer to do to come back I was always told you have to speculate to accumulate <laughs> and you do you there you're always going to have to take some risks can't play it safe all the time and actually every time you show your work or put your work out there you're kind of like making yourself vulnerable you're kind of like taking the mm, risk yeah but if you don't do any of that then you're not going to progress at all are you no no so it's a it's a necessary thing I think go with your gut instinct have some common sense. Um, don't stretch yourself too much financially because that places you under a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, you do have to take risks. Okay, so we've reached our final question. Our final question is from Christine Ansel Art. Yeah, Christine Ansel Art, yeah. What would be your dream creation? Well, there are a lot of things that would be my dream creation. But one thing I really want to do at the moment is I would love to have some of my work made into wallpaper and fabric. I would love to have my work in people's homes in that way rather than just as paintings on the wall. Yeah, and I can imagine that, especially with your new collection that oh, you've brought out. thank you. Yeah. I have more plans Beautiful. for that as well. <laughs> I'm working Watch on at the space. moment. <laughs> Keep an eye on my Instagram. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that would be my at the moment that would be like my dream job. I would be so excited if something like that happened. What about you, Mel? Well, it's funny. I've been thinking about it. I I would love to like do some tea packaging. I think that would be quite a fun project to do i did design packaging for cornish sea salt you did we have it in our larder <laughs> i bought this lovely um sea salt cornish sea salt with garlic in it and um and i was like oh i put it on my story because <laughs> i was like this is really good <laughs> and um mel was like oh, that's my illustration on the packaging i did the illustration for that and i could not believe it what a coincidence <laughs> so it's such a, an amazing feeling to feel like your art is on something that is in that kind of realm of the packaging world anyway it's it's really nice to be in everyday item i used that just last night and i looked at it as i was using it and thought mel did this yeah. <laughs> it's lovely it's lovely to have art i think um you know everyday objects like that if they have a beautiful illustration on them it just makes them more of a pleasure to use doesn't it and look at and it kind of reminds people that art is everywhere it's not just in a certain way it's not just a painting it's not just you know a traditional way of viewing it it is in everything around us so I think I would like to do um, some tea packaging or chocolate maybe chocolate packaging oh yes that would be good thank you and thank you guys for all of your questions I hope that this episode was interesting to you it probably is going to be our longest episode so <laughs> I think it is yeah <laughs> but we if you have any more questions or you've asked questions and we haven't managed to get around to them then we will make sure we will answer them in probably another Q&A time yeah I'm sure we'll be doing another one of these in the second series okay cool thanks guys for listening so much today and we will be taking a break yeah a few weeks and then we'll come back refreshed whilst we take a break for summer maybe take some time to catch up on any episodes you've missed or re-listen to one that you really found relevant also make sure to leave a review on apple podcasts as you know this will help us reach more folk like you so we hope to be back in the autumn with our next season ready to dive into subjects that have come up in our practice tackle topics that we found tricky to navigate at times but we'll hopefully encourage you to keep going on your creative path. So until next season, stay creative.